Welcome to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. You can also check us out online at realchurchcoweta.com or jump on Facebook at Real Church Coweta. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We like giving great gifts to our, to our moms. We usually just get one big gift and give it away to the dads, but uh, the moms are, are a little more special, so go ahead and give those out. I'll give them a second to give those out. While they're giving those out, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. All right. Okie dokie. Romans chapter 14. <clears throat> cool. Did everybody get a floth bag that wants a floth bag? Awesome. All right. The message today is really, I believe, what what a mom would say to her kids when I was reading through it. uh, And I said that. So at the end of the book uh, in Romans, it, it starts, he starts Basically, you know how when you're when you're getting ready to to end something and you try to cram everything in at once, and that's kind of what he does. He kind of crams everything in, and then he goes through the rest of the book, uh, doing some greetings and things like that. And so we've made it through Romans all the way to chapter 14. And so what I want to do today is I just want to read uh, Romans, <clears throat> starting in verse one of chapter 14. <clears throat> We're going to do a lot of reading today. Let's read. It says this. It says, "Except." <clears throat> Other believers who are weak in their faith and don't argue with them about things they think are right or wrong. Let me read that again for those in the back. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, here he goes. He's going to give some examples. One person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help they will stand and receive His approval. And then it says this, In the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think that every day is alike. You should each be fully, uh, be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. And those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since, the, since they give thanks to the God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. For we don't live for ourselves. I want you to hear that. We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, we live to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose. To be Lord both of the living and of the dead. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, and here it is, 
As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will confess and give praise to God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. But if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person it's wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God. And others will approve of you too. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another brother stumble. It it is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if, if you cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with that, what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. For if you are not following your convictions, if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. And then starting in verse 15 it says this, We who are strong must be considerate of those who are sensitive about these things like this. We must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. For even Christ didn't live to please himself. As the scripture says, the insults of those who insult you, O God, have fallen on me. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. May God who, who gives his, this patience and encouragement help you in li- living in complete harmony with each other. As is fitting for followers of Christ, Jesus. Then all you can, can join together with one voice giving uh, praise and glory to God uh, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Because of all that, accept each other just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises He made to their ancestors. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for His mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it's written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said this, To heir, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope on him. And I pray that the source of hope... You will be, uh, I pray that God, the source of hope, you will be completely, uh, you will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Lord God, we take these words seriously. We take these words uh, to heart, Lord. Now, if you would teach us through your word and let us understand exactly what you want us to know and how to act. In Jesus' name, amen. 
every couple of years there's some kind of crazy thing that comes down the pike and everybody kind of falls for it, right? Something comes down the pike. Um, back when my daughter was in high school, it was the Snuggie. Do everyone remember the Snuggie? The Snuggie was the thing that probably cost about 50 cents to make, and they had cut it out so you could actually wear your blanket. All right? It was a Snuggie. Uh, and things come down the pike like that. And I don't want to offend anybody, but that's what essential oils are. Essential oils. I'm not going to say too much about essential oils because my mother-in-law listens to this and she uses essential oils. A lot of essential oils. Uh, Her name is Penny. Sometimes I want to call her Peppermint Penny because she smells like peppermint. Essential oils. One of those things that supposedly cures everything, right? It's like, hey, got a tumor, you know, on your finger? Rub some peppermint on it. Now listen, I've got, I know some of you guys have those little, I don't know what they're called. They're the little things that you put water in and you put a little, what are they called? They're diffusers. Okay. Touched a nerve here with Lee on the second row. All righty then. All right. So I think, uh, I think, I think they got the oils part right about it. I think it's the essential that I have a problem with because they're not essential. They're not, they're not at all. Now, if you like essential oils, good for you. There's nothing wrong with nice smelling things. Listen, I admit openly, I like candles. Judge me. Go ahead. I do. I like candles. I do. I like lighting up candles and having the smells throughout the house and all that kind of stuff. Is there any dude in here that lights candles? Raise your hand. All right. All four of us. Other guys are like, only if it smells like steak. All right. But I like, I like candles. Essential oils, a little bit much. All right, because most people that use essential oils put a little too much on. All right, and people have walked past me and suddenly my nostrils are clear. I can breathe again. It's menthol. All right, so they do not work. No, they do not work. Uh, They work to clear your nostrils pretty much it. And they're expensive anyway. So, no, listen. Essential oils, essential parts is what I got a problem with. I say all that to say, listen, here's what Paul's doing, all right? He is, on, he is covering over the essentials of what he wanted everyone to know. That's what he's doing. He's covering over the essentials. Now, remember what's going on at the church. The Jews have been sent out. The Gentiles were leaders of the church for five or six years. The Jews then came back, and they're trying to get along. And so that's why he talks about days to worship and food stuff, because they all disagreed on those things. And so Paul comes out and he says, hey, listen, I want to tell you the essentials of how to act. I want to wrap up the whole book has been overshadowed by unity. He wants them to be unified. And so now the final thing they're going to say is, is he's going to say, listen, I want you to be unified and let me get down to the essentials. Let me let you know exactly what I'm talking about. 
Let's go through exactly what he was talking about. The first thing I want you to say is, I want to tell you is, is that I think Paul is saying this. He's saying we need to kill that critical spirit. All right, we need to kill that critical spirit. This overarches everything within chapter 14 and chapter 15. Kill that critical spirit. Can I tell you something? No one likes a critical attitude. And oftentimes we don't realize we have a critical attitude until someone loves us enough to tell us that we have a critical attitude. But no one likes that. No one likes someone constantly telling, oh, well, this could be better or that could be better or, you know what I'm saying? People don't like that. And what he's saying here is don't come around these fellow believers and constantly be critical all the time. Now, in doing research for the message, I found there was four main areas when I did the research. There was four main areas that showed that can let you know there's four different types of critical spirits. The first one is the gossiper. All right. The gossiper. What is the gossiper? Well, the gossiper is what my grandmother used to do whenever she was, would, would come home. The next morning she would wake up from going to the square dance on Friday night. All right. She had one of those uh, multicolored, dark brown, flowery couches. And I would sleep on the couch. It was the one that had the wood. It was, and then every time you'd walk by it, you would stub your toe. Uh, it was awful, but she had one of those couches and I used to sleep on that couch in the living room whenever I would spend the night with her. Now, for some reason back then, there was only one phone plug in the whole pl- in the whole house. All right. That was back in the day. Okay. I'm talking about late seventies here, early eighties. I know I don't look that old, but I, I am. All right. And her phone, her phone was like pea green. Are you with me? Like that's what color her phone was. There was a, there, it was that pale looking yellow and that pea looking green. And so she literally would take the phone that was in the living room and she would stretch it all the way over me. I would wake up with a phone cord on my face over me all the way into, and she would sit there at the dining room table and she would smoke pale males and drink black coffee and make phone calls and talk about everybody. Did you see her last night? Can you believe she wore that dress at that square dance? And she would go on and on and on and on. And I would wake up to the beautiful smell of pale male cigarettes, coffee, probably a biscuit, and gossip. That's what I'd wake up to. My grandmother's name was Leo. When do you think that's odd that my grandmother's name was Leo? I'm like... Her name is Leo. I don't know what to tell you. Anyway, but Leo would sit there and she would smoke cigarettes and she would uh, talk about people. That's what she did. That was her spiritual gift, gossip. She would. She would. She'd talk about you in a heartbeat, man. I'm not going to lie to you. She would in a heartbeat. I'm going to tell you something. Let me tell you a little trick. I'm going to tell you a little trick here. If someone will talk to you about someone else, they'll talk about you to someone else. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget it. All right. Gossip. The next one is this. Here's what Proverbs 2019. Can we bring up Proverbs 2019? It says this. A gossip goes around telling secrets. So don't hang around with chatterers. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's what it's saying. The next one is this. The slanderer. It's similar to the gossip. What they do instead, though, is they make false statements to bring another person down. Most of the time... That critical spirit of slandering, most of the time they do that. They bring another person down and they think that 
bringing other, someone else down is going to actually make them look better. And it doesn't. Just as a cue, it doesn't make anybody look better. You don't have to talk down about everybody. And what Paul's saying here is this. I want you to get along. I want to make sure you understand. Get along. Don't put other people down. You don't have to do that. Don't have that critical spirit. The next one is the judge. All right. The next one is the judge. And we talked about judging people last week. But the judge are those that think that God appointed them to let everyone else know how they're supposed to live. And when they fall short. That's what the judge does. Anybody got any judges in their life? You're lying. You do. And you want them out of your life as soon as possible or only on, week, only on the holidays, right? Judges, they think, uh, they think God is too busy. And so they're going to help God out by judging everybody. That's what they do. The next one is this. And this is my least favorite and the one I cannot stand. Oh my gosh, these people are so annoying to me. The complainer. The complainer, everything is not good. And why can't we do it this way? And I don't want to do it that way. And on and on and on. And why do we worship that way? And you're not supposed to do that. And it's on and on. They have Eeyore syndrome is what I call it. You guys know Eeyore? I'm Eeyore, here I am. That's how they are. No matter what, it's a complaint. No matter what, the complainer. Those are some critical spirits that Paul's talking about. We don't want to be those people. So why are they critical? Here's the question. Why are they critical? Well, the first thing is, is to make themselves look better. They're critical to make themselves look better so that they can put someone else down and they think it's going to raise them up. The second thing is this, because they do it to protect themselves because they're afraid someone will find them out. See, oftentimes if you'll throw your complaints, if you'll throw your judgment, if you throw those things onto someone else, then you think that it takes away from you. What it really does is, is it decreases your character. Don't ever forget that. It decreases your character. It, it makes you look smaller than you probably really are. A lot of people do this because of their insecurity, but they think that someone else will find out their shortcomings, and so they make the first thing. The final one is, though, is very easy. It's about staying in control. It's about staying in control. People want to be in control. And so they think that if I tell so-and-so how to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, then I can stay in control. And all of that is wrapped in fear. But here's what Romans chapter 14 verses 7 through 9 says. Here's what it says. And let's read it. It says, for we do not live for ourselves or die for ourselves. And then it goes on and says this. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And let's wrap up with verse 9. Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, to be Lord of both the living and the dead. Whenever we made a commitment over to Christ, we literally died to ourselves. And so for us, these things that we find the most important, whether or not someone should do this or that, whether or not this should happen in church, whether or not all of these things are less important, they should be less important to you because you, you have died to yourself. And what Paul's saying here is, is listen, I understand, I understand it's okay to eat whatever you want to eat, but if there's people in your church that feel very strongly that you should only eat vegetables, then when you go to dinner with them, if it's going to offend them for you to get a big old T-bone, either don't go to dinner with them or 
take into consideration their feelings and, and, and how they feel strongly about something. That's what he's saying. But some people can't do that. Some people have to say, no, 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 I want to, I, 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 I know I'm right, I'm right. And it's all about I, I, I. Well, here's the thing, I died. And it should be all about him, him, him. And we sit ourselves on a back burner and we let Christ flow through. I'm always amazed by what people are drawing a line in the sand for. I'm always amazed by that. I'm like, is it really that important to you? Is it really that important to you to be that right? Is that really, like, is being right that important? Early in our marriage, Wendy and I realized something that hope, I hope you realized in your marriage. And it's this. When we became one, if she was wrong and I was right, which rarely happened, by the way. But if she was wrong and I was right, then we both lose. And if she's right and I'm wrong, then we both lose. We do because we're one. So we always try to find a way for, to save face for both of us. That's what we try to do often. And sometimes that means me humbling myself and saying, yeah, I did this wrong or I did this right. Or yeah, you were right and I was wrong. That's, that's what we end up happening. And here's a little secret. Can I tell you a little secret? Sometimes I don't think I was wrong. Sometimes I do it for the better good. I had a friend of mine once tell me, he said, well, brother in marriage, here's the deal. You can be right or you can be happy, but you can't be both. You choose. You choose. The next thing he says is this, don't major on the minors. Don't major on the minors. What's the history of the church? Well, the history of the church is this. The church that he's writing to, they had people that were weaker Christians. And a lot of those weaker Christians that had come from that Jewish faith were still adhering to the Torah laws. The laws about not eating certain food. The laws about worshiping on certain days. The, the laws about what was clean and what was unclean. And he says this. He says, listen, be patient with them. Be patient with those people. Be patient with those people. Don't immediately jump down their throats and tell them they're doing wrong. Don't immediately do Be patient with those people. Don't major on the minor things. I have a friend of mine who, there was a, there was a girl that gave her life over to Christ. And this guy was a pastor. And uh, gave, you know, a great friend of mine. But, but uh, his wife was a little bit, let me say, judgy maybe is the wrong word. But it's, she was kind of judgy. <laughs> And she was kind of, you know, wanted everything to be a certain way. And um, this little girl that gave her life over to Christ, this girl, she was like 10 or 11 years old, new believer. She sent a card to this family. And I read the card and I was like, oh, man, that's so awesome. And then and he read the card. He said, look, look what we got. And I read the card and it was so awesome. And then his wife read the card. And I mean, this is an 11 or 12 year old kid, sweet kid. And I saw sweetness coming from an 11-year-old, 12-year-old who's a new believer. My buddy who's a pastor saw the same thing. Guess what his wife saw? He said, she said, oh, she, oh we got to tell her she used a little G for God. She has to use the big G. You know what I said? Don't tell her she has to use the big G yet. Let, it, let her teach her that a year from now. It's not important. The importance from the heart. What happened is that she had an experience and she wanted to thank you for it. But some people can't. They, they trip over the little G in life. They do. They focus on things that are not as important as they think they are. 
Let me tell you a little secret, guys. Jesus is the major. Jesus Christ and Him crucified, buried and rose again to save us from our sins is the major. I'm not going to live a life where I have to worry every day if I'm going to mess up some rule or regulation. And neither should you. You shouldn't. Give yourself a break. Jesus is the major. And here's the reason why. And this is the next part. Paul is saying through these verses, it is a heart issue. He is showing us it is a heart issue. I'm going to be, be kind of transparent with you today about something that I find kind of annoying. <laughs> I know that shocks you that I would share something I find annoying. Church people are really quick, especially Baptist church people, are really quick to shout down people that drink alcohol. They are. They're really fast to throw out there. They drink alcohol. And actually, by the way, just a little preface, we're actually doing a series in the summer called Big Questions about uh, God, the Bible, and life. And one of the topics I'm covering during that is should, a, should or can a Christian drink alcohol? That's one of the topics I'm covering. I'm not going to tell you what week it is because you'll skip. But anyway, listen. <laughs> listen. Should a Christian drink alcohol? And they want to focus on that and they want to pound and pound and pound. And here's what's always blown me away. The majority of the time the person that is pounding and pounding and pounding away at that weighs about 350. Let's be honest. You know what I mean? Listen. So drinking alcohol is bad but gluttony is okay. You know? I ain't never met a Baptist that didn't like a good casserole. Matter of fact, I'll tell you this, oftentimes, and we don't want to talk about this, listen, we don't want to talk about this, and uh, listen, I'm a little fluffy, I ain't going to lie about it, I'm up here, I stand before you fluffified, all right? But I'm also not trying to judge everybody either, but I want to tell you this, there's just as much sin that happens Sunday afternoon, sitting down at 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 a dinner on the grounds with some people, as there is in some bar, and that's the truth. That's the truth. That's the truth. It's just that one's acceptable and the other one sometimes isn't. That's the truth. Do you know that there's two men can be sitting at a bar and one man may be sinning and the other one not? And both of them are having a dos equis? Do you know that? We'll talk about that whenever I do the message. It's a heart thing. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. For one... For one, that alcohol has got a grip on them. It has gripped their hearts, and they are so, they, they are like pulled to that. My daughter suffered with alcoholism. She has been clean and sober for over three years. Whoop. And her husband has been clean and sober for 10, 11, 11 years. April 20th was 11 years. So, but she told me, she said, Dad, the first thing I did, my daughter weighed, weighed about 105 pounds soaking wet, okay? And she says, the first time she ever drank alcohol, she knew she was an alcoholic. And I said, what do you mean by that? Because quite honestly, alcohol does nothing for me. And it's, look, it's not because I'm some kind of Baptist preacher either. It does nothing for me. Nothing at all. But she said, I knew I was an alcoholic because 
I couldn't just drink one. I said, well, Lord, girl, how many did you drink? She said, 10. I said, 10? That weighed more than you. But she knew she was an alcoholic. So for her, she can't, she can't be around it. So if she goes and she has a drink at a bar, for her, because of her heart, that's sinning. But for me, it does nothing. And here's the key. You don't know which one is which. But what we often do is, is we jump in to judge someone and to tell them this or that. And most of the time, the people that are doing the judging are doing it, like we said a while ago, because they don't want things to be on them. And so you won't find me doing that. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. I have a friend of mine. Well, let's just go to this. Psalm 139, 23 says this. I love this psalm. If you don't read, read, read Psalm 139. It's incredible. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I have a friend of mine who has celiac uh, disease. And uh, so uh, she hates it when we do this. But we go overboard to make sure that we, and, and she has it really bad, and so she has to even watch what restaurant she goes to. Like, she can't go to a restaurant and then, she can't go to a restaurant and then just have something, you know, that, that is with her diet. She has to know that the restaurant practices safe kitchen, like, it's very serious. And so there's very few restaurants she can go to in the area, and she always apologizes. And I'm like, girl, look at me, I, I trust me. Finding something to eat is not an issue for me, okay? I, we, got, we got it. We can do that. But she always apologizes. But one thing I will not do is I will not force her or I will not make her uncomfortable because she has that, that disease. And other people have these convictions. So last night we hung out with our daughter. I didn't order a round. I didn't. As a matter of fact, before she really got a good handle on it for the first two years, whenever she would come visit our house, any kind of alcohol at all in the house anywhere would be put up. We did not want her to be tempted. Why? Well, here's why. Because I love her more than anything else. And that's what we have to get in our minds to other people. We have to love people more than we like some rule. Are you with me? We try to do this here at the school and the church. And it's this. We try to say, listen, people, people trump policy. Okay? People can trump policy now. All right, I know there's policies and we do, we're going to do everything we can. But when it gets down to it, if it's a policy issue or a people issue, I'm probably going to side on the people. Because I'm not perfect. And what Paul is saying in these verses about this food and how you should act certain ways and don't make these things live as followers of Jesus, live in these ways. What he's saying is, is that we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful. One of the things we like to do is, is we like to show ourselves holy by how we act. Colossians 2 says something about this, though. Let's take a look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 said this. It says, You have died with Christ, and He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. 
These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severely bodily, bodily discipline. But they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Those things look impressive to your friend or your neighbor or your fellow church member. But to be honest with you guys, a lot of that stuff, especially if it's not from a genuine heart, it's worthless. It's worthless. And what Paul's saying here is, is that the major issue here is, is that you are connected with God and that you love people more than you love the rule. And that's what he's saying to us. The final thing is this, and I want you to know this, and I add this on as a little caveat. How we treat others is directly related to our relationship with God. Paul is saying how you treat other people is directly related to your relationship with God. I want you to know something. God is watching how we treat other people. He is. He is. And I'm going to be honest with you. Don't go and treat other people the wrong way and then expect God to bless you in some way. I would not do that. I think that's very unwise. He's watching our attitudes. He's watching how we treat our families. He's watching how we treat our co-workers. He's watching how we treat our church friends. He's watching how we treat our classmates, students. Because I want to tell you what, how we treat other people, the horizontal, affects the vertical, our relationship with God. How we treat other people affects the vertical. What's the final thing on this matter? The final thing is this. Make sure that you are living a grace-filled life that gives grace to people and that you will stand in the gap for someone else's shortcomings and that you will go to bat for someone who can't go to bat for themselves and that you would be someone who doesn't walk around with a checkboard and and a piece of paper checking off a list of what people are doing right and doing wrong. Let me give you a little advice. You're way too screwed up to be telling someone else how to act. Worry about you and you have a relationship with God. And then when you build a relationship with someone and you've got a relationship, you can speak to them and you can help them. But do it with a pure heart, not by putting someone else down. I think that's what your mama would have said. That's what Paul said. I think it's what God said too. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the word that teaches us how not only to live our own lives, but how to treat other people. Let us be people that put other people first. Let us be people that build up others And God, as it relates to unity in the church, let us be people that are unified. Not because we all believe the same thing or because we act the same way, but because we serve Jesus Christ. And because we have submitted our lives over to Him. And because we believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. Let us be people that show that we have pure hearts and have a genuine love for someone else. God, let us be people that do that in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I always like to caveat when I do messages like that to tell you what I'm not telling you is, is that you should not call another person that you're close to and let them know if they're getting off track.
You shouldn't do that because you have a relationship with them. And honestly, you need to have some money in the bank with people before you start saying anything to them. Some of us walk around broke and want to try to spend money that we don't have with other people in relationships. I've found that if our heart is right with God, then when our hearts are softened, we will approach people the right way. We will do the right thing. And that is what brings about unity. And that's what I think the message is today. Let's stand up and sing our final worship song this morning. Thank you for listening to the podcast for Real Church Coweta. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at realchurchcoweta.com and click on the Contact Us tab. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Worship Center on the campus of Central Christian School in Sharpsburg. Until then, God bless and remember to love God, love others, and live real.